Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Welcome, Marvel fans, to episode six of Marvel Cast, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast by the fans for fans. Each week, we'll discuss the latest news regarding the MCU, followed by reviews and discussion of the latest release content in this ever-expanding multiverse. Our audience is a key component to our show, and we'll wrap each up each week up by answering your Marvel-related questions. I'm your host, JG, and today I'm joined with my co-host, Stephen. Stephen, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm ready to make some predictions. And in 24 hours, I'm going to be back at the movie theater for, I think, the first time since Shang-Chi. So I'm ready. It's always an exciting feeling, especially when it's a Marvel uh, film. It's uh, There's nothing like it. Well, and think about it. We have, you know, this is coming up here October 1st by the end of the week. So we've got October movie. We've got a November movie, which we'll talk about a little bit later today. And then we have December with Spider-Man. Like this, it's content always flowing, which makes it even more fun for you and I. It is, and that with that content, it means that there is so much news to talk about. Uh, today, we have several great stories we're going to talk about. Also, I just want to bring up that we do bring our news from the Direct, where they have a specific MCU. So just a shout out to them uh, for uh, collecting all these articles that we pull from. Uh, so starting off, uh, Disney, it broke earlier, or I guess, yeah, about earlier this week, that Disney was at risk of losing Spider-Man, Iron Man, and other Avenger rights with a new lawsuit. Uh, and so... It says in this uh, report from The Hollywood Reporter, uh, the complaints which The Hollywood Reporter has obtained come against the heirs of some late comic book geniuses, including Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, and Gene Colan. The suits seek declaratory relief that these blockbuster characters are ineligible for copyright termination as works made for hire. If Marvel loses, Disney would have to share the ownership of characters worth billions. And I know when we first saw this, I was like, what on earth is happening? But when you really start to look at it, I don't think it's as big as a story that maybe people think. What are your thoughts on this, Stephen? Um, I happened to see it on my lunch break, I think, a couple of days ago, and I quickly sent it off to you to kind of get your reaction to it because it did, you know, raise a few red flags to me. I mean, the main characters that would be most impacted if this happens would be Iron Man, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, Hawkeye, Black Widow, Falcon, and Thor. I mean, you see that list there. Obviously, right now... Um, Iron Man might not be at the forefront. Well, he is on What If, but not in the forefront of the movies. Spider-Man's obviously still around. Doctor Strange's still around, Ant-Man. I mean, these characters, besides Black Widow and besides Iron Man, really, they are still key players in the film side of Marvel and the television side. So it worries me a little bit. I mean, doing a little bit of research on it, it looks like these um, termination rights happen at and it's not just for Marvel. It happened with DC and the, the Superman um, on DC side, the Superman creators, heirs. So um, it makes me a little bit worried because I can't imagine what would happen. I mean, at least Disney wouldn't lose 100% if they do lose this um, legal battle. They would still have to share ownership. So that might make them less likely to use some of these characters. But I'm hoping that they can settle this outside of court and we can continue to have the characters that we love. Are there, what do you, I mean, do you think we should be worried about this, JG, or is it something that because it's happened before, there's a precedent that it might not end up changing the way we view these characters? It's, it's one of those things where it's like, it could happen. Like, it's definitely a possibility. I just, I don't see a reality where Disney slash Marvel will let that happen. 
You know, if for some reason they're to lose this quote-unquote court battle and everything, then Disney's gonna just pay them money to get them back. You know, it's just, it's one of those things where I think it's like a formality uh, to make sure that no one else can claim them and no one else can really, like, barge in. Uh, and it really is going to come just come down to the dollar sign. It's like, how much is Disney and Marvel going to give it to them? It, it, it's interesting because I think I was listening uh, to the John Campia podcast on his on his YouTube show. He explains it really well, which I definitely recommend checking it out because there's a, there's a lot of like legalese and terms that I barely understand. And he explains it really well. And at the end of the day, he made a really good point. It's like Disney has so much money that like. It's going to happen. And I think the weird thing to me when I thought about this is that it's just such a weird thing that this exists where someone can sell like this IP, this property to someone. And then after a certain amount of time, they could try to get it back. It's almost as if I gave you my toy and 50 years later, I'm like, Steven, give me my toy back. Like, it doesn't well, work that way. <laughs> and I think in the next couple of years, I was reading a different article that even characters like Mickey Mouse is going to be up for... Um, public domain where anyone could then use him and make profit off of him. And I think Disney's trying to figure that out because they don't want their main icon to be spread out like that. So um, another thing that stood out to me too with this article was um, if you've seen, you know, over the past couple of years, like as big movies like Civil War, Avengers, Infinity War, and Endgame came out, we started hearing some different comments and tweets from some of these original comic book writers who were not really, even though they wrote some of the stories or introduced some of these characters, they were given a very small amount of money compared to the, again, billions of dollars that the films have produced. And so while the, you know, heirs of people like Stanley, Steve Ditko, and others are, you know, maybe asking for more money, compensation for what their, their um, ancestors created here, I think, you know, for the amount of money, like you said, that Disney has and the, these, you know, the people like Stanley, Steve Ditko have been able to produce this content that has now been adapted into film. I think, you know, hopefully that, like you said, Disney will be able to, you know, meet the financial demands of the families here. I agree. I think, you know, it's one of the things, like we said, it's definitely a possibility. I just don't see a world where they're going to allow it. Yeah, and with, and with that, we do have also some exciting news for Secret Invasion, which is set to come out in 2022, I believe. Uh, we have some details on Olivia Coleman's character, uh, which an amazing actress, so many great shows that I've seen her in, in movies. And this comes from Murphy's Multiverse, uh, which was also has really got some interesting scoops recently and some interesting things that, you know, you would think it's not a reputable site, but they seem to be doing pretty well right now. And in this article, it says, while Disney and Marvel Studios are working hard to keep her, Olivia Coleman's character's identity a secret, we could share that Coleman is portraying a mysterious spy with commanding, in quotes, Fury-esque presence. Indeed, the series will be as spy-heavy as expected with a half-dozen spy roles, including this one. Like Fury, Coleman's character will be a bit of a puppeteer who does and has done a lot of her dirty work behind the scenes. We've also learned that in addition to Coleman's character being a major player in Secret Evasion, she's also set to return in the role in other projects down the road. Steven, what are your thoughts on Olivia Coleman's uh, role and what she could be playing? Because she's suggested in the past she wants to play a strong villain as female, but it doesn't look like that in this. Unless she's a double agent with this whole spy element, which, like you said, we're going to see a lot of. Um, yeah, I mean, the fact that just, I think, a week ago, two weeks ago, she won... The best actress um, at the Emmys because for her role in um, the Crown. 
So the fact that you're bringing in this again, Emmy award, many multiple award winning actress here. I'm excited to see her bring her talent and bring her skills to this new show here. Um, my immediate thought whenever I was reading or hearing your description here, and I had to look it up, um, when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was airing on ABC, there was always talk that they were going to eventually go to space. And with this idea of S.W.O.R.D., which is like the outer space version of S.H.I.E.L.D., and the leader of that is Abigail Brand. And I think the way you're describing this character, it kind of fits in that description that I was looking up here while you were talking. Um, she's a half-human mutant, half-alien hybrid, able to generate burning energy in her hands. She's the you know leader of this S.W.O.R.D. space station. And I think we were first introduced to S.W.O.R.D. in WandaVision, right? Correct. Okay, so if we're going to kind of bring in Monica Rambeau, and we're going to continue that storyline with her when she was working for S.H.I.E.L.D. at that point, or excuse me, S.W.O.R.D. at that point, I think that would make sense then that we could then see, you know, a S.W.O.R.D. station in outer space where we think probably some of this show is going to be taking place at. And I think that would give her a really strong character. Like, obviously, if they're playing it so close to the chest and they're not revealing the character's name yet, you know, it's a big character. And when you think about characters that are could be in outer space, that could be tied in with S.H.I.E.L.D. or S.W.O.R.D., that's the first one I went to. Do you think that's a possibility? Oh, definitely. I think, especially because they've been, a lot of these shows have been starting to like little pieces start to connect. It just makes sense. And I do think, especially if it's a character, especially, I think the big thing is that they're keeping it a secret. If it was a new character, then like, it's not going to hurt them to reveal it. I mean, it's probably a little early to reveal that, but still like they're being very tight vests. And I definitely could see that as uh, doing research. And I did see that as well, like that being a possibility for that character. Uh, and, it, and it really does connect and make sense. Uh, regardless, she's going to kick butt, take names, uh, really strong actress. And it just adds to that cast. Like we have Amelia Clark. We have, you know, we have all these actors and actresses. Like this show has really strong possibility. I don't think it's on a lot of people's radars, but I think it's going to be once we start to get really close. And another thing I like about this show is, you know, because it has such a huge cast from what we're hearing, and I don't know how big it's going to be like with lead characters and side characters, but, you know, the returning players are definitely going to be um, Nick Fury, Talos, and Monica Rambeau. So out of those three, and then it sounds like we're going to get another handful of new characters to further expand this universe. And hopefully then well, these are characters that we'll see maybe in things like the uh, Marvels at the end of next year, too. So many possibilities. It is so exciting. Well, according to Kino Metro, a Russian film distribution bulletin based in Moscow, which has previously accurately uh, reported early runtimes for movies, has the upcoming Eternals film listed at a two hours and 36 minutes, which would make it the second longest marvel film only behind avengers endgame what is your thoughts on quite a lengthy uh film here for the eternals um i kind of go both ways i think it's a smart decision when you have this many like almost a dozen new characters that you have to introduce in the first act and then let them grow and then have a third act you have three act structure usually so i think it makes sense because Unlike a lot of the other films in Marvel Cinematic Universe where they might have, you know, one or two main characters to introduce and then develop over the course of a two-hour film, I think you need that extra half hour almost just to kind of let this universe breathe, let these characters breathe. On the other hand, I do worry a little bit that this long time might, the long run time might scare off some maybe non-hardcore Marvel fans because they might see a two and a half hour movie and say, oh, that's a long time to be in a theater for a movie I don't know much about. I'm hoping it's the opposite. I'm hoping that 
you know, we've talked before, Marvel had that name brand recognition that people see a Marvel film. They know they're going to be entertained for two or two and a half hours here. And again, I think hopefully they use that time wisely. And I hope that it lets these characters get introduced and we fall in love with them. And I'm sure that's, I, I think this is going to be probably for the best. What do you think? I think it's definitely necessary, especially if there there's rumors about the story is going to be taking over like a very long period of time that like we're going to see massive like flashbacks and you know who knows what flash forwards maybe uh time is such a weird thing in the mcu right now uh it's i think it's going to be needed i think with everything that they're setting up with how important these characters are going to be in the story that they're telling it, it's going to need it and i feel like with a film that's that long and you have the director behind it and with this cast, I still, I just, it gives me this Oscar Best Picture nomination vibe. Like, I really think this has that potential to be that. And I think with an incredible story, as long as it's not drawn out. But I have a feeling that every second and every minute is going to be valuable and important and essential. Like, if it's that long, it's, it's that long for a reason. And um, one other thing, Chloe Zhao, who, again, won the Best Director in 2021 and now is directing this. I mean, there is talk and rumors I've heard that, you know, depending on how this movie does, it could be up because it's coming out right around, you know, award season, typically November to January. So maybe, again, with that long runtime to allow these actors and actresses to breathe and to have the chance to play the part, I wouldn't be surprised if this was nominated for something along the lines of an Academy Award. It just there's there's so much there setting it for it and i'm just i'm very excited because very much like how shang chi was unf very unfamiliar for us the eternals are just like that like there's so much i think even more so because it's like what type of film were we getting like shang chi we kind of knew that it was going to be uh what we were kind of getting we didn't know exactly how it was going to fit into the mcu world but we kind of knew like what genre it was going to be but with the eternals that's just something who knows what it's going to be yeah, and it's not on our news list for today, but I think I heard a rumor that we're going to see another trailer around Disney Plus Day on November 12th. So that would make sense because that's going to be coming up and that would be, well, maybe that's too close to the movie. Maybe it's, maybe I heard it in October. I'm sorry. Maybe I got my dates mixed up. Yeah, because I think it, that's, I think D Disney Plus Day is after the release because I think. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Eternals sorry. is early, super early. Eternals is November 5th. So then it would have to be, I might, maybe I messed that up. Maybe it's middle of October. We'll get one more trailer. But again, that's just a rumor. So we'll see. Which is very exciting. And speaking of uh, future projects, well, Marvel is going to be quite busy. And according to Marvel Studios president of physical post-production, visual effects and animation production, Victoria Alonso, who wears a many hats apparently, uh, according to her in an interview with 221 Radio 103.1, which is, I think it was like a Mexican radio station, don't quote me, uh, but according to her, Marvel has 31 projects in development. Steven, 31 projects. Like, now, I will just preface, when it says in development, that can mean that they're talking about it behind closed doors. That doesn't mean that they have a script per se. That can mean a whole thing. So it's like either they're editing it, the film is about to be released. But regardless, 31 projects. What were your thoughts? Um, yeah, when I first read that number, I thought it was a typo at first, but then I'm thinking, and you and I talked before we recorded, I mean, if you're counting the fact that there are still three films and a TV show this year, that's four projects, 
And in the future, it looks like we're going to be getting about four films and probably four shows each quarter. So that's going to be a total of eight properties or eight um, productions each year, calendar year. So right there, eight, 16, I mean, you're looking at three or four years down the pipeline, even probably three if you're counting what's still coming out this year. And so that makes sense because we know that these films, they are going into like the fact that they already have a timeline probably for the next decade of where they're going. And they have the next three or four years that are in some type of development. And as they release and finish, what if, you know, we're going to talk, they're already working on the next, what if season they're already working on the next show for Disney plus as soon as one finishes production, like some of these crew members are just moving from one production to the next. So while that number seems high at first, I'd be willing to bet, you know, 2022 about by 2024, 2025, all of 31 of those will be out by that point. Right. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think, again, it's like one of those initial, like, headlines. You're like, oh, my gosh, 31 projects. But, like, it with, with the amount of content Marvel is producing and releasing, yeah, that makes sense. Like, realistically, you're going to get about three to four years in work from uh, things that are about to release to things that are in the very early stages of casting and writing. It just, it just makes so much sense. And, like, obviously, they have a game plan for like kevin feige has been like has said like yeah we know what we're doing for like the next decade but that doesn't mean that that next decade's working like that that's down the road like we'll get there we got to worry about the first three four years here and just it's exciting though because not only uh is it chop security for the uh, crew that's working on these it's chop security for us there's so much stuff to talk about <laughs> absolutely and think about like where we were when we were growing up like we would be lucky if we got a marvel movie every year or every two years, you know, I think about the X-Men and Spider-Man movies. And now the fact that we have this interconnected universe with 31 productions, like the fact of, you know, whenever I remember going to see Avengers and rewatching, you know, the phase one films, that was five films to watch leading up to Avengers. If you want to start at the beginning and watch everything, including your Disney plus shows, including your, all the movies, it's going to take you so much longer. Like I, the only thing I'm worried about, and I, it's a good thing to have be worried about because is for friends like you and I who have been following this for years, we're keeping up with it. We're not falling behind. If the, you know, up and coming like younger generation of, you know, young boys and girls right now, like teenagers that are just getting into it for the first time, they've got some catching up to do. And I'd hate for this to be kind of like a universe where they're, oh, there's too much to watch. I'm going to just watch in there and cherry pick and miss out on key information or just not even get into it at all. So that's my only worry. But I feel like with this multiverse that we're going to be talking about, you know, every episode almost, it's it allows fans to kind of, again, jump in whenever and then get caught up too. So that's the nice thing. Like even after Endgame, yeah, they make references to what happened beforehand, but it's a great time to jump in right now too. I agree. I think it's, I think it's going to get to that point where you're going to have to find a place to jump in and find a, a and then and then go back if you want to or if you want to fill in because i think honestly like the infinity saga is such a good like complete chapter that you would probably want to watch black widow with that too because it should have been out way earlier but like i think starting with like shang chi i think that you know for new fans i think that's a great place to start Obviously, yes, there's going to be so many references to the past, but I think as we get deeper, as we get to four years, like we were just, like we're talking about, as we get down the road, I think, you know, we are going to start to separate ourselves away from that, you know, because it is going to be so far in the past. Like, you know, we're definitely going to hear about it, like, you know, maybe a movie eight years from now is going to reference like Thanos or something. But like, as we get deeper and deeper, 
the references are going to become fewer and fewer, and we're going to be focusing more on this saga and this story that we're telling. And that's not to diminish what came before it, because obviously as we're in the beginning phases, there's so many references. There's so many key points. Like, we're still talking about the blip. That's still such a huge uh, impact to the story. Uh, but it, it's one of those things, like, even, like, look at Star Wars. Like, you know, Star Wars is in a good spot where there's only nine movies. But Star Wars is going to get in a place, too, where there's going to be so much content, too. I did um, meet a picture online the other day that said, like, every single Phase 4 production on Disney Plus and in theaters has made reference to Tony Stark as well. So, like, he's a character that's not going anywhere. He's a character that you should remember, even if we're not going to see him physically again for a while. Hopefully we will at some point. Who knows? But I think that's important that, yeah, you can still jump on. And if you have a slight reference to some of these things, you don't need to get all these side meta jokes. From you can get those later on. So, yeah, I think you're right. Shang-Chi is a great way to jump in. I think the Eternals with a whole new cast is a great way to jump in. I think, you know, the Spider-Man movies, they're fun. You can jump in. I mean, I know people that I know um, just watch those ones and they still enjoy them because even without seeing everything else. So, yeah, I'm excited to see where we'll be and glad to know we'll be having lots of topics to discuss with our reviews going forward. Yes, and with that, one of those projects is What If Season 2? What If head writer A.C. Bradley spoke with Deadline's Hero Nation podcast about the Marvel Studios planning uh, uh, for Season 2 of its first animated Disney Plus show. Season 2 is a lot of fun. The training wheels come off and we get to do a little bit weirder, wilder. There's one episode which is probably the closest to my own personality I've ever written. It's heartfelt, it's full of action, and bad 90s clothing choices. What are your thoughts on this uh, about, you know, season two? We've already got some teases of what's to come that they're focusing maybe a little bit of uh, phase four. We're hearing about a little bit weirder and wilder. What are your thoughts on this? Um, yeah, I think the show has already demonstrated that it's willing to get a little bit weirder and wilder. It started off playing very safe in the first couple of episodes with almost like the first episode was almost beat for beat with Captain America, the first Avenger, just from Peggy Carter's point of view instead. And then by the time we got to whatever it was, I think three or four, when we saw um, the dark Doctor Strange, that's when the show started really diving into some different territories, different themes. We had Party Thor last week. We had some really intense stuff this week that we're going to talk about in a few minutes. I mean, I just feel like this show has already demonstrated and they had faith in itself when they were making this. Because again, animation takes a couple extra years to make. And so... With them talking about season two, with the, I'm assuming it'll come out probably next year, probably next summer, the same time period is what I would be willing to bet. So that means they're already deep into production. I originally thought, excuse me, season one was going to be a longer season. And I do wonder if they split this up or if it was always designed as two seasons. But maybe just to keep production going, maybe it's designed as a two season show. And maybe then by that point, who knows, some of these characters might make it into the live action with the multiverse. Um, what are you looking forward to with season two? Because, again, this show's been great. I just love the idea of just the possibility of that whenever you tell a story with animation, like, all bets are off. Like, you can you can be anywhere. It's wherever you can animate and draw. And I think that's why I love, like, even, like, audio format and also just animation. Because, you know, sometimes with live action, you could be limited. Obviously, Mandalorian has completely proven us wrong with uh, everything that's going on with the volume. But... It, it's just exciting because, you know, with the animation style, which is really fresh, I'm enjoying the style. Uh, and just the fact that they could really go from something super comedic to also something super dark. 
and just really just do that slight like what if like i think we always as humans we have like that you know curiosity with oh what if something else was different what if this happened or what if that happened you know there's always like alternate history uh media there's you know the choice driven games like choose your own adventure books so i think having like these what if i think it's just it's so perfect it's fun i do think that it was a, intentionally meant to be a longer season i know that for sure it was supposed to be 10 episodes and it got down to nine but i think even it's supposed to be longer than 10 I know Loki season one was cut in half, which is why we're getting a second season. Uh, I think that was meant to be like one, you know, through line. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that it was meant to be just one. So it'd be curious to see what it comes. Interesting. That last part of his quote here where it says, um, it's full of action and bad 90s clothing choices, referring to one of his episodes he's looking forward to. Do you think that's going to be a what based around Captain Marvel? Because even though she's popped up in a few she hasn't really had her own full episode, or could it be flashbacks to a younger version of a character we know? Do you think it's Marvel or someone else? Uh, I think with the knowledge that we have, it definitely makes sense that it'd be Captain Marvel. Uh, it could be someone that we haven't met yet that's in Phase 4, which could be fun. Yeah, I think they've made reference to in the past that they're going to make episodes around Phase 4 films. So again, if we get to the point next summer where they've already known about these movies coming out, Hopefully we'll see, um, again, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, maybe Eternals, Spider-Man. Who knows what else has in store. But I'd love to see more recent films, too. That'd be fun to see. Yeah. I think it's just, there's so many possibilities. I'll be curious. because Because of the fact that it is so intentional with what they're doing, it's not just a, hey, let's just do a fun what if and just do it for like just do it for kicks and giggles like no there is a plot this is affecting the mcu there is a a reason why this is happening so i'm curious to see how long they're going to keep it going if it is ends with two seasons if it goes beyond there is always a possibility that it is so fascinating but i feel like there is an end point for it do you think next week will end on a cliffhanger or do you think it'll bring some closure that then maybe next season would open up with, again, more standalone stories instead of interconnected ones that we're about to talk about? I think it will lead to a cliffhanger, but I don't necessarily think that it will lead into season two. However, it would lead into other MCU projects, which we could talk about in our review. <laughs> yeah, let's get to it. Yeah, and with that, we'll hop right into the review for What If Episode 8, which is What If Ultron 1, which arguably so far, I personally think is the best episode. What are your thoughts, Steven, on this episode? We're finally seeing behind the curtain, and when it actually showed us behind this prism of different multiverses, like, it was just such a cool concept. I think some of the artwork looked the best the show has ever looked whenever we're seeing, you know, the Watcher and Ultron fly through the sky together through different, like every punch would move into a different dimension, a different timeline. It was incredible. I thought, I mean, the scene that has been stick, stuck in my head all day was Thanos showing up with his Infinity Gauntlet, trying to get his one last stone and Ultron not even batting an eye and literally just cutting him in half. That just showed how incredibly um, powerful and um, just how mind-blowing Ultron is as a villain because while Age of Ultron is a good film, I think that this episode made me appreciate the character from the comics even more. JG, what stood out to you before I go on and on about Ultron? <laughs> it just stood out to me as how finally we're starting to see 
I guess the purpose and the connections to everything, like, you know, the writers have been teasing and saying, like, it's going to connect to the MCU. It's going to connect to the MCU. It's going to have this greater purpose. It's not just a fun animated show that we're doing. And we finally are starting to see what that is. And, like, I've been saying this for weeks. Like, the Watcher is getting closer. The Watcher is becoming more of a being. It's not just, you know, it started very much as a voice. And then we started seeing the face. And it just progressed and progressed and progressed until now, we are here. He is a character. He is fighting. He is interacting. He is making jokes. Like, it was incredible. That was my standout, is finally embracing. While this was definitely an episode about Ultron, I think this and possibly next week's episode is the Watchers episode. Ooh, I like that. that that's who it should focus on, really, because that way that's a character we need to know more than any of the characters and variants we've seen. Um did you get as emotional as I did seeing the final fight there where Hawkeye sacrifices himself? Because it obviously took me right back to um, an endgame. And I almost felt maybe even more emotional. And I mean, this is with animated characters, but they're the characters that we know and love. And just seeing like Jeremy Renner's performance here and how it came through on the character and how he risked himself kind of like flip-flopping what happened on Boromir. Like, did that hit you as much as it hit me? Oh yeah, instant. I was like, oh my gosh, they're mirroring the scene from our universe. It, this is this is exactly happening. Like I I was blown away. And they did it so well. And I love there's a shot when he's falling, and after he shoots his bow and he's kind of falling, and they zoom super far out. One of the most beautiful shots in the whole episode. Yeah, that was the one I was referring to earlier. That's what I forgot. That was just incredible the way that it looked. Oh, I could I could hang up as a poster, in my opinion. Yes, it um, was it was so good. What about the montage of Ultron after he gets the stones going from planet to planet that we know and just wiping out every civilization, like even Ego the Living Planet? Like, and the fact that all were, were we to believe that Hawkeye and Black Widow were the only two living creatures on the whole universe at that, that point? Is that what we were to believe? That's what I took it as personally, which it, for me, my question is then because there were other people that were in that jet. So I don't know what happened to them, or if we just assume that they're dead too somehow. The but zombies I think, got hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I think I think we're just to assume that those are the last two survivors because by the end, by it's all said and done, like it's just it's just Natasha. Yeah, and I feel like if we're going to see this where it ends with that kind of cliffhanger, which I just wanted it to keep going on, and it just ended with Dark Doctor Strange meeting with the Watcher in that prison that he was like locked in forever how long by himself i think we're going to now get to the point where we're going to start to see the watcher needs to assemble his own team we're going to bring in this version of black widow that we saw this week we're going to bring in probably party thor we're going to get the characters that are going to come here together and fight off ultron are they going to be able to stop him i don't know i mean i'd hate for it to end on a bleak nose but i kind of want this version of ultron to make his way into live action because we need him I will say I wish they would have got James Spader back. It was a little bit noticeable to me because his voice is so iconic when he played Ultron. That's one thing I was hoping I would have heard his voice instead of the actor they got. And he was fine, but James Spader, I think, just does a little bit better with his performance. Exactly. I I was just blown away because I was like, oh, wow. He's, like, just destroying it, destroying everything, and there's, like, nothing left in his path. And that, that whole time, I'm just asking who's going to stop him? How's going to stop him? And every time there was no one and nothing. And not even, and even then when I thought like the watcher was going to do it. And as it goes on in that battle, you're like, oh crap, 
the watcher's not gonna be able to win like you're like what is gonna happen and i was completely shocked when we did see the evil doctor strange like i was not expecting that but even then my question is like is that even enough and like obviously we're gonna have a team up and i think it's leading to I think we're leading into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, I th or and even possibly whatever's going on with Spider-Man, but I think more specifically with Doctor Strange. And I think, I don't think that this group of Multiverse Avengers are going to be killed. I do think they will be defeated, because I think that this could lead to our... Uh, so Cosmic Wonder, which is a fantastic YouTube channel where I follow and uh, his discussions and theories and such, uh, he has been talking about possibly uh, the, uh, again, I'm not super familiar with the comic, but there is a team called the Illuminati, uh, which has m multiverse of different um, characters that come together and they basically protect the multiverse. And I think... That, yeah, and there's rumored that they're going to be showing up in Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, and if this is, like, their origins, and it's this, this group where it's, like, this super dark, evil Doctor Strange, maybe now he could redeem himself. Like, at the end of that, while he is super evil and scary looking, I feel like he did want to do the right thing. He wasn't able to. Like, there's consequences, but maybe he could change his destiny and, like, party Thor, and even uh, we have Natasha now, kind of like the Red Fury, and we have also... There's so many characters. Like, it's possible that this could be the formation of the Illuminati. I love that idea. I'd hate to see Dark Doctor Strange team up with Ultron because that would just be the worst thing ever. Um, I do wonder, though, like you said, are they going to be defeated? Is Ultron going to come out victorious next week? Is he going to be defeated? Um, I don't know how you can contain him if he's someone that is not destroyed. Like, even if we wait for a season two as he can continue to be the villain throughout all these different timelines and stories. I don't know. I, I just, I'm really excited. I really just want to see the season finale already. I want to see what happens because I care so much about these variants. I care so much about these characters and I would now want to see it all come together. I'm glad. I mean, we had feelings and we had talked that even though most of the episodes were standalone, you could almost tell they were, they were going to have to build up to something because if they would have just done nine standalone episodes, it would have been great, but it wouldn't have had the same emotional gut punch that we got from watching today. And especially like, you know, looking back at last week, Party Thor's finale or final scene when Ultron showed up. And that was just one of the many instances that we're seeing Ultron show up at these different places throughout time. And I kind of like that it didn't start right there. I like that it kind of told this version of Ultron's like origin story to kind of get to know him better than just starting right in the middle of the action. I agree. I think it's just there's so many possibilities to see where it goes. Like it could it could be self-contained and stay in the what if kind of storyline. But I just think that with them saying that this is affecting the MCU as a whole, and I think that some of these characters are so iconic that they're gonna want to bring them to live action. And I think Doctor Strange Multiverse Madness, like it has all the theme. Well, first of all, Multiverse of Madness. And it's so being heavily advertised and talked about as like a horror film. Like, I can't think of much more horror than something like this Ultron and seeing him in live action. He's just wrecking, you like, he's not just wrecking towns. He's not wrecking planets. He's wrecking universes. Like, that is just mind boggling to even think about as a human, even though this is fiction. Like, he's just destroying universes. And, I, obviously, I think there's going to be more going on with Doctor Strange and Multiverse Madness, but I definitely think that he could be a part of it. And 
Uh, it's going to be wild, whatever they end up doing. I don't think he's going to be defeated. With what we remember, he's not trying to defeat everything. He's trying to bring peace in our time, which I love that quote from Age of Ultron. The fact that he hears Tony and Bruce talking about peace in our time. Like, this is a Tony that made Ultron at a point right after the Shatari invasion of Avengers 1. He's trying to really create that bubble to protect Earth so that he and the other Avengers don't have to spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week protecting the planet because there's only six or seven of them at that point. And so Ultron's original purpose was to be that peace in our time. But he hears that. And then, of course, as soon as he becomes self-aware, like we see with all these different, you know, uh, Terminator, you know, any type of movie where they become self-aware, he sees all the problems with humanity and life. And even though we as humans make mistakes, we have issues for sure. He sees that as I got to destroy every living thing because anyone that's alive has issues. And we know that. But that's what Ultron's goal is to bring that peace in our time. And the way he kind of perverts it to almost see it as we have to destroy every little thing. That's what makes him such a scary villain because, you know, no matter who goes up and talks to him, Ultron's going to say, well, there's something wrong with you. I need to destroy you. And having the power of all six Infinity Stones when he, you know, Vision used to have just one makes him unstoppable. Like you bring Thanos in for literally three seconds and cut him in half. And again, I can't get over that scene. Thanos, the big villain of 23 films in our cinematic <laughs> universe, was wiped out in three seconds by Ultron, who only one film. But it's, it's Ultron and Vision together. So think about that. That makes Ultron even stronger. I think what also like threw me off for a hot second was just seeing Vision's body mostly and just seeing the menace coming from him. I was like, this is weird. <laughs> you know what I'm hoping for, actually? I just thought about this. I would love a ver version of Scarlet Witch who knows Vision to pop up next week. And maybe she could be the one to stop him. Like, imagine if they use like the love transcends time and space kind of thing, even though he's not Vision, but he is Vision. I just thought of that. Maybe that's how you stop Ultron. Vision Ultron is using Scarlet Witch. Or could you imagine if they got like, somehow they got um, Scarlet Witch, our version of it that left off in WandaVision. I just, I don't know. Maybe she's going to find him. I don't know. That's my hope. Oh my goodness. It's like the true Beauty and the Beast story right there. <laughs> Love conquers all. Like that, you know, because it, it is like one of those things, because like, you know, we keep talking about it, but it just, it just, to me, it just, with what we've seen, I just don't see how something could go against him. And maybe it is love. Maybe it is the Scarlet Witch. You know, they did talk about, um, I, I think it was Ultron. It might have even been the Watcher. Someone mentions chaos. And anytime you say the chaos, instantly just Wanda. Like, it's she was born of, she created of uh, chaos magic. Like, the only being we know so far. Maybe the Avengers will, the team up team, whatever it looks like, will lose. And maybe this Ultron make it into um, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. We'll save that her vision. She's looking for her kids. Maybe it's in the movie and maybe she has to stop him that way. Oh, There's so many possibilities. It's so exciting. We have to wait a week for this. I, I wish it was sooner. Uh I will say one thing, one final thing. I hope, and I've, because I remember getting out of the Shang-Chi, uh, my friends and I were talking about how it'd be really cool if they could show some of these shows, like in, as like a, maybe a marathon in a movie theater. And I was just thinking about how beautiful this animation has been and how bright, especially this final episode. It'd be so cool to see these final two episodes in 
uh, in theaters. Uh, what are your th- uh, quick thoughts on that, Stephen? Um, absolutely. I mean, I think Disney Plus has put out some great work, and even watching it on a 70-inch screen, I'd love to see it on a bigger screen with a better projector, better sound. I think the same thing with Star Wars, with the Siege of Mandalore that ended Season 7 of Clone Wars. I'd love to see something like that. I mean, I hope Disney does provide an opportunity to see some of these. I think that would be a great way to let the fans kind of experience this show in a way they haven't been able to before. I agree. Very exciting things. And the excitement does not stop because tomorrow or today when you're listening to it, uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage will be out in theaters on Thursday evening. We are very excited to see it. We are doing our last minute prediction. So you can listen to this before you go see it as we make our wild guesses that will probably not be true. Steven, what are your uh, what what is what are some predictions, some thoughts, expectations, hopes, desires for this movie? I'm really excited again. About 24 hours from now, when we're recording, I'll be in the theater again. Um, I, I just rewatched the trailer before we recorded. I'm glad that we did watch the first Venom just a week ago to lead up to this. I think that was a smart decision to kind of get that back in my head fresh. Like we talked about last week, the first Venom was so much of an introduction for both Eddie and Venom that I think this movie doesn't need to waste the time. It can jump right in. I think they're already going to be that kind of as it's being described by director Andy Serkis as the odd couple. So I think we're going to see the two of them, you know, a lot of humor, even though it's going to be a darker film, I think. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit more scary, especially adding Carnage in. I do think that Woody Harrelson's going to be on the same equal playing field as Tom Hardy's um, Eddie Brock. I think if you put Carnage in the title, I think that means... We're going to almost have a 50-50 movie between Venom and Carnage, and that's what I want. I do want to see those two characters go at it multiple times. I was reading up a little bit about, before we recorded, about the character of Carnage. And I was reading also about, um, what's her name? Um, Shriek, who's played by Naomi Harris as well. So we're going to have kind of two villains in this one. And, you know, even though I liked Riz Ahmed's um, riot in the Leader of Life Foundation in the first one, I think already Woody Harrelson is going to provide a much stronger villain. I think he's going to connect with Carnage in a way that Riot and the Life Day founder did not in the first one. And I think that it's going to be just so scary because I guess, you know, we're going to see this serial killer that has the symbiote attached to him and just wrecking shop. Um, I think the fact that the movie's only an hour and a half means that it's going to be fast paced. It's going to be nonstop. I don't think we're gonna have a lot of downtime. And, um, Those are my initial thoughts. I do want to, afterwards, I want to talk to you about the post-credit scene, but what else are you hoping for this new movie? What do you you expect from it? Yeah, I want to dive more into, now that we've established, you know, Eddie and Venom as as characters that are together, I want to explore more their relationship a little bit. Like, obviously, we don't need to spend, like, a whole lot of time, but, like, I think that there's something so fascinating and interesting about the two characters that I really do want to get to know more about specifically their relationship and not maybe not necessarily how or maybe specifically how they're coexisting together because i think that is going to be so interesting because they are such different opposite personalities for very apparent reasons maybe not some non-so apparent reasons uh i i do think that cletus is going to be an insane villain i don't think he's gonna die i i think i think if you put carnage in kind of like the title i just i think that carnage could have a play down the road I don't know how, and I think, because I think the predictable thing is, like, oh, Carnage dies, like, you know, yay, 
happy day. But I think it'd be cool if somehow Carnage survives and maybe Carnage has another rule down the road or something. Uh, I think that'd be really fun. I think ultimately probably will end up dying, but I hope he doesn't. I, I hope we can see more Carnage. It'll be fun. More Woody Harrelson. Uh, I do think that this movie is going... We're going to blink and it's going to be over. Uh, I don't think it's going to be one of those movies where people are checking their phones like, oh, is this over? Or, you know, like, I think this is going to be one of the fastest paced movies that I've personally seen. And I think most people will see. Yeah. It's not common to have a movie, you know, be under two hours lately, especially these big blockbusters like this. Um, I think we're going to, like you said, I want to follow those characters. I want to see how their relationships developed in the time since then. It has a very small cast, which means again, we're going to be focusing primarily on Eddie and um, Woody Harrelson's carnage and just seeing how he escapes from prison and how he changes with this character. Um, I think one of the things, maybe a complaint I said with the first movie was that the graphics were good, but not great. I think now that we're in 2021 and this movie was supposed to come out last year, hopefully that gave the visual effects team more time to really make the graphics look as best as they can on the big screen. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, can I share my theory for yes. the post-credit scene with you? Yes. That's, so that's, did, that's a big thing. That's, that's what we're yeah. all wondering about this movie. Um, I definitely would have been at this movie opening weekend, but the fact that what I'm hearing and rumors of there's a post credit scene that's making people react similarly to how they did for the big Avengers Assemble scene in Endgame is the reason I'm going tomorrow night because the last thing I want to do is be spoiled on this. And I swear I have not read anything. I haven't watched anything. I really don't want to be spoiled on it. My theory, though, based on what we've talked about in the past couple of weeks, where we saw Tom Hardy, we talked about last week wearing... Um, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home production hat, which was only given to people in the cast. That makes us wonder, hmm, could he be in Spider-Man No Way Home? Maybe. Um, the fact that people are having a reaction makes me think, hmm, people love Tom Holland. People know that these characters might be connected some way down the line. Are they going to show Tom Holland? My theory, and I messaged JG this morning, was we're going to see a post credit scene or a mid credit scene, whatever, that is unrelated to the rest of the movie. It was probably filmed afterwards, which is fine. Eddie's walking down the street, having a good old day. He's got Venom symbiote still attached to him. Hopefully, I would hope they wouldn't be disconnected at this point. But um, then what we're going to see happen is all of a sudden, like, we're going to see flashing lights. We're going to see maybe some magic happening, whatever. And next thing he knows, he's in the Sanctum Sanctorum with Doctor Strange and Peter Parker seconds after they did their spell that we know is going to happen in Spider-Man No Way Home. And then just like a quick little joke, like, who are you? Cut to black. Venom will return in Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, that's my theory. I'm hoping I'm right with it. Please don't comment to me if it actually happens because I honestly have no inside sources. That is just my hopes for it. JG, what do I have anything or is it just a crazy theory no, right now? I, I definitely think with everything we've been hearing and all the teasing, you know, I've also been very, like, I've been so scared ever since that initial lending screening where people were like losing their minds. I was like, this is three weeks before the movie. This is going to get spoiled. I've been so cautious. You know, I've obviously have seen a lot of uh hints and talks about it i still don't know explicitly what it is i i do think i don't think it's gonna be i don't think it's gonna be spider-man himself i don't think tom holland is showing up i do think it's going to somehow have something to do with venom and eddie and somehow inferring that he is going to be in no way home or multiverse madness some sort of connection explicitly to a very up-and-coming mcu project obviously more than likely it's going to be the spider-man uh, no way home I 
I, I think a lot of people were probably are probably going to expect it to be Spider-Man and Tom Holland in that scene. I think it's going to be just more of a, uh, more subtle. Like it definitely, I could be him showing up in, uh, you know, in Doctor Strange's place. Uh, I, I if that happens, I just want I I I don't even want Eddie to talk. I want Venom to make a joke or say something to like, woo or just someone because I think that would be hilarious like you don't pass up on that opportunity uh but i do think it's going to be some sort of connection something that's going to unless they do a curveball and they introduce some new villain or something just really wild i do think it's going to connect to the mcu proper though i mean they could really go crazy if they wanted to and they could do like we could see multiple different characters that we're going to see potentially in no way home i think once this movie comes out, and I know they've put out a bunch of posters on social media saying, like, don't spoil this, like, no spoilers with Venom, like, saying, shh, whispering. Um, I hope people don't spoil it. I hope they let it breathe for a week or two. And then I hope by the, um, you know, middle of October, I hope we get the next and final Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. And if Venom's in it, we see Venom in it. If Tom, or excuse me, if Tobey Maguire's in it, we see Tobey Maguire, if we, Andrew Garfield, like, at least give us the teases so people can go into the movie. I mean, if there's some surprises, definitely leave them. But if there's a major thing that people are going to be up in arms about and waiting for, let's let's get those in the teaser, let it, the trailer if we need them. Um, but I think that's part of the reason why, even though we got a three-minute trailer already for No Way Home, we still don't know a whole lot. We don't know exactly who's in it. We've seen rumors of five Sinister Six members. Let's see if the sixth one's going to make it in here. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to talk to you about it and talk with our non-spoiler review next week um, when we get that out too. That'll be very exciting. I will just also just say, just be very cautious, y'all. Yo, this is probably going to be the major talk of the internet, major talk of the town, the water cooler, and all that good stuff. Be very cautious. If you can't see the film right away, obviously that makes sense. Just be aware. More than likely, people are going to be talking about it. You might unintentionally and accidentally see something you're probably going to wish you didn't. So just be very cautious and just be patient. You know, sometimes people slip, you know, just be, be cautious and don't deliberately spoil, please. Like let people enjoy that a moment, especially if it is as special as people, as critics and early movie seers are saying, I think this is going to be one to remember and for, for a while, I think, I think this will be, I, I, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Any other final thoughts on this, Steven? No, just, I think we're so lucky to have another movie coming out so soon. I think, as we're heading into October, kind of like I enjoy a lot of different horror movies at this time of the year. So while I don't think this will be a scary horror movie, I think it's a nice kind of getting ready for letting carnage happen, letting this violence happen um, in Halloween movies. So I'm excited for it. I cannot wait to see what the big reveal is going to be. But I also, I don't want that to be take over my enjoyment of the film. I do want to go in and enjoy the first hour and a half. And then if there's a three or four minute, hopefully five or six minute scene afterwards, even better. I agree. I cannot. I cannot say it any better than that. Next week we will be uh, wrapping up with a season finale of What If, which is insane. I can't even believe that we're already there. We'll also have our spoiler-free review. So if you don't have a chance to see it right away, you can hear our thoughts about it without any of those spoiler details. And we will not talk about that <laughs> extra credit scene as it will be so hard not to but we will not we'll hold it on for our spoiler filled review the week after 
And that does wrap up episode six of Marvel Cast. We hope you enjoy diving into the world of the Marvel with us. We want fans to interact with this podcast, so we can't wait to hear your feedback and questions. You can email us at marvelcastpod at gmail.com. And there will be more content on 1138 Productions Network, like the Star Wars Canon Podcast and 1138 Talk Radio, which are both coming very soon. Listen to the official announcement update on this feed and follow for more information. From Steven and I, have a marvelous week, and remember... I could do this all day.